It's good to be back here at 613. We're going to talk about ambushes tonight. Anybody been ambushed before? Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of ambushes. First time I started to set ambushes, I was about six years old with my little army men. And G.I. Joe would show up, and G.I. Joe was bigger and badder. So we'd have to set an ambush. And then when I was about eight years old, I got ambushed, and there was nothing funny about it. My dad used to send me to the store every Sunday, kind of a heavy drinker, didn't feel like getting out of bed on Sunday. I grew up in Oakland, East 31st Street, by Highland Hospital, and every Sunday he'd give me a dollar, paper dollar. This way back, young people, 1970, a dollar was a lot of cashish. That was like five gallons of gas. And he'd tell me, get the Sunday paper, and newspapers, again, young people were these things you used to cut trees down and slice them real thin and print them, and the Sunday paper was like five-day-old news, but we all thought it was brand new. So he'd send me to the get the paper, and it was, I think it was 30 cents or 25, how much? 35. Thank you for the correction. No more of that. Thank you. Stay right there, peanut galley. Jeez, you'll be busy all night correcting me. So 35 cents for the paper, and he'd say, get a blow pop for the trip. It was a nickel, but bring me the change. 60 cents coming back. So I'm going across the, uh, up East 31st Street, down 23rd, across 580. Every time I go over this overpass, I'm reminded of my ambush. And two girls, they had to have been 12, 13 years old. They were huge. <laughs> but everybody is huge in my world. So they, they stopped me in the middle and they said, where are you going? I said, to the convenience store. Mm, you got any money? I have a dollar. One of them holds my arms, I'm eight years old, on the freeway overpass, holds my arms, the other one does her best impression of Muhammad Ali and starts just pounding little Marky Marky, takes my dollar, a guy stops on the overpass, what are you doing? They run towards the market, I run home, I'll never forget the look on my dad's face when I said, two girls just took my dollar. (laughs) And then the humiliation when my five foot nothing mom got in the car to drive to the convenience store to get my dollar back. It was a humiliating day. Ambushes can be very humbling. They can be fun. When I started to um, raise our kids, they were born, and then you start to raise them. Coming home, when they figured out, we can ambush dad. And you know when it's coming. The windows start rattling. You hear them pattern, pattern through the house. It might be a Nerf gun. It might be a pillow fight. There's an ambush coming. Ambushes can be fun. And ambushes can be devastating. And those of us who have been ambushed by all kinds of scenarios know what I mean when I say devastating. With small children in the house, we uh, bought our first home, get, got married, bought a second home and what they call flipped it way back before there was shows on flipping houses, and then bought our third home before we started having kids so we could raise our family there and my wife could maybe not work. And there's a very obscure law. If you do it, two homes within 24 months obscure then, You have to pay capital gains on the center home. I made a lot of money on the center home. And two years after we sold the center home and bought the current home, IRS came knocking on my door and said, hey, you owe us $38,000. Ambushed. Devastating. Because our house, 1990, had dropped significantly. I think we paid three. It was down to 210. All the down payment was gone. I'm a gardener mowing lawns. Two children at home setting ambushes for me. And an overwhelming $3,000 a month interest-only penalty to the IRS. Ambushed. They can be devastating. Well, tonight we're going to look at the power of an ambush when God sets the ambush. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. 
I don't know the page in your book stand Bible. If you know it, you can uh, yell it out there, sir, the corrector. No, you're all done? What, what page? That's the page. That's the page. I couldn't hear it, but I know where, mine's marked. 1499, thank you. It's the first book in the New Testament. Help somebody get there if they're brand new to the Bible. It's great to have people brand new to the Bible there. And as Danny prayed, Lord, bless our time in your scripture, Lord. Bless us. You're going to set some ambushes, or you've already set them, and you're going to call us, some of us, this very evening into the realities of those. Bless us now, Lord. In your son's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, John the Baptist, his cousin, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Now, a couple weeks ago in Matthew 14, we saw the realities of John the Baptist. And as Pastor Larry said this morning, if you were here, the book of Matthew's not always chronologically correct. Jumps around a little bit. Little ADD like me, probably a short guy too. He withdrew to the region of Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. And I have a few pictures from Israel. Uh, I'm heading a trip there. This is our first official pulpit platform three-cross church announcement. We've been announcing it in men's ministry quietly. We're going in the fall in 16. We have about 20 people signed up. It's not a men's trip. And so consider it. We're going to go, and then we have a turkey extension for eight days in Turkey as well. This is what they call the Valley of Doves, and Capernaum is off to the right here. That, we're looking at Magdala, famous woman Mary from Magdala, and that's called the Valley of the Doves. And there's spots in Israel that are so humbling and chilling that you know our Lord traversed that path. And that path is probably this wide at the bottom of that little valley, Valley of the Doves. It's probably this wide. And every time you see in scripture that Jesus left Nazareth and returned to Capernaum, he walked right through there, the Valley of the Doves, chilling. Isn't that beautiful? That's under the Mount of Arbel. We have another picture of Capernaum right next to the seaside. Isn't that gorgeous? Right on the Galilee, Golan Heights behind it, and Jordan off to the right. Right there, Syria behind that mountain range. Next picture. This is the entry with Pastor Tyler Scott. Remember Tyler? Yeah, yeah he cried all the way through Israel every day, a couple times. <laughs> That's the entry uh, to ancient Capernaum. My son on the left, and there's a sign, no shorts. We love to take this picture on the way. We just go shorts the whole way. Next picture. This is actually the synagogue where Jesus taught in Capernaum. Amazing is the word, right? Oh my gosh, thank you for catching that. We're in church. Thank you for that. And it's, this is 300 years after Christ was there, but you can see the original foundation. I think I have the next picture of the very, uh, their teaching in the synagogue where Jesus of Nazareth taught for two and a half years of his ministry. It's humbling to be here where great teachers like Pastor Danny and Pastor Larry have taught, Pastor Tyler, Brent Eldridge, Jake Belig. I mean, awesome studs of scripture have taught here. It's humbling. But to stand where Christ <laughs> opened scrolls, it's amazing. Next picture is uh, that's the foundation where you see the original synagogue and then they remodeled it uh, when Rome uh, was starting to crumble and about 300, 350 AD, they started to rebuild uh, those synagogues in that town. So that is Capernaum. And the people there in the land of Zebulun, verse 15, in the uh, land of Naphtali, this is an Isaiah uh, prophecy, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of Gentiles. See, in that region, a lot of Gentiles lived. A lot of pagans lived. A lot of, uh, at that time of Christ, Roman soldiers were in and about. Herod Antipas was actually building his uh, soon-to-be uh, headquarters 
right there in Magdala, overlooking uh, the Sea of Galilee next to Tiberias. And so from this prophecy, we see that beyond the Jordan, in the Galilee, in the land of Gentiles, the people living in great darkness have seen a light. On those living in the land, uh, in the shadow of death, a light had dawned. And this was one of dozens of prophecies coming to fulfillment as Jesus, here's John, his cousin is now beheaded for getting in Antipas' face about marrying his brother's wife kind of a shady operation loses his head for that jesus says now's the time my public ministry is going to start goes up to nazareth who knows what he does there goes through the valley of doves and from that time on jesus began to preach repent teshuva is the word that he used at that time turn second think repent For the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual kingdom that's always been since the beginning of time is now for the first time in the history of world history, the arc of history. The tectonics plates are shifting for the first time. And here's the pronouncement. The kingdom of heaven is now within reach is the word. At hand. It's close. You can grab it. It's now in play. It's among you. And this is the pinnacle of what Christ is going to be teaching and encouraging these disciples through this text. The kingdom of heaven is now within reach. And as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake. And I love this, more evidence he's ADD, for they were fishermen. Because I was wondering, why were they fishing or throwing nets into the lake? Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Some of your translations might say, I'll teach you to become fishers of men. And at once, they left their nets and followed him. They turned from the life that they were consumed with, and they started to follow this Jesus of Nazareth. Now, that seems kind of wild. Jesus walks up. Now, remember, he was looking like a rabbi, considered as a rabbi, teaching like a rabbi, in his full Jewish garb with his prayer shawls, his Teflon prayer box on his head, wrapped in the prayer box on his arm, full uh, tzitzit coming out of the prayer gaunt, looked and taught like a rabbi. The Jewish Pharisees of the time and Sadducees were trying to figure out which sect of Pharisee he fit in. And he walks up to these fishermen who were not rabbis, were Jewish, these, this group of men, but they were not in that system of worship they were jews probably yahweh fearing but fishermen physically fishing on the shore they didn't even have to use their boat last time we were there the fish were jumping like minnows right on the beach tens of thousands when i saw that i went this is what they were doing they were just at the shore fishing and he says drop those nets follow me imitate me learn from me walk with me live with me I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven to a dark land and the biggest piece that those fishermen had to understand is they would be the distributors of that kingdom. They would take the mantle of of passing the kingdom of heaven onto a a pagan, sinful, dirty, dark world. But you're going to have to learn to do it the way I'm going to show you how to do it. Now turn to John chapter 1 if you're there. Three gospels over. We're going to see that they were able to drop their net immediately because this was not their first exposure to Jesus of Nazareth. Here we see in chapter 1 of the book of John, we're just going to start in verse 35. When you put all four gospels together, it's called the harmony of gospels, you can get a real good sense of the timing. And you see that there's no real... um, 
missteps, they're just writing in different views, different times. Like you can write about what happened tonight and the songs we sang and how the speaker was and you'll have a different view. I talked too much, he didn't really get into the Bible and he was a little short, not that short, kind of looks like Larry, whatever. Two different (laughs) accounts, but accurate. When you put them together, you're going to get a full picture, right? Next day, John, that's John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. So John the Baptist was traveling with disciples. When they saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there's the Lamb of God. There's the proclamation. John the Baptist went before the Messiah. There's my cousin, the very Lamb of God. When, two, uh, when the two disciples heard him say this, they started to follow Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them. I love this. And he says, what do you want? You're here tonight, maybe for the first time, 10th time, coming back into a, a church environment, wrestling with God. I love the fact that God is always going to answer the questions we have. So these guys start to follow Jesus. He says, what do you want? And they say, where are you staying? Can we have falafels? Can we hang out? You're wild. I want to know everything. And he says, come, and you'll see. So they went, and they saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him, and it was about the 10th hour. I can tell you the hour the first time I was ambushed. My dad would always get up about 10 o'clock, and it was after the cartoon, so it was about 11.30 when I got ambushed. That was a big moment in my life for an 8-year-old. I've never looked at two women approaching me the same way ever. It's frightening. But when God ambushes you, Everything changes, and you never forget it. They didn't forget it. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to go find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, the anointed one, the ultimate sacrifice, the payment of the the sins of the world. We found him, and he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon, son of John, I see everything that you are on the outside and your father and the fishing industry that you represent and the history of your family. And the word is look intently through Simon Peter into his soul. It's two times uh, it, the writers of the Gospels use that word. Once here and once when Simon actually betrayed Christ at his trial. Christ looked at him across the patio and looked intently right through him. Amazing. He says, you're Simon, son of John, but you will become Kephas. You'll be called Peter, Petros, rock man. You're going to be stable. Then, the next day, he decides to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. So he calls Philip over to Galilee, up in through Canaan, and goes to a wedding, very famous wedding. Everybody ran out of wine. Mama said, come on, we can't go this way. She said, he says, be quiet, woman. And then goes, okay. Kind of a wild text and turns the water into the best wine of the party. Amazing. First, Miracle of Moses, water to blood. First miracle recorded of Jesus is water to wine. It's a new day. Celebration, freedom, new covenant on the way. Moses brought the law. I'm coming to fulfill the law. Amazing. And Philip is there. Philip is from the hometown beside of Peter. It's a very small community, very small. Like 1,800 to 2,300 people lived and fished and came from the area of Bethsaida, probably about 20 miles down the coast from Capernaum. So now we go back to the Matthew text. That's a setup. Six months have passed by. They go to the wedding in the fall. This is considered to be springtime. Jesus walked up on them and said, drop your nets, follow me, and I'm going to show you how to fish for men. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Who would they become? James and John. 
apostles, but what was their nickname? Sons of thunder. Why were they sons of thunder? Because <laughs> they wanted to blow a community up with fire that <laughs> rejected their savior and their friend Jesus. And Jesus says, wow, that's not how we're going to roll anymore, but you're going to get a new nickname out of that. So here's the first time they show up. James and uh, John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets, and Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and their nets and followed Jesus. There's one thing you have to be clear about this. Look back up at verse 20. At once, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew dropped their nets. Immediately, immediately, James and John dropped their nets. It's called lordship. They watched him. They heard of the miracles. They missed some of them. They saw how he was moving in and through the community, who he was gathering, how he lived. They reasoned in their heart, he surely must be the Messiah. And when the invitation came, when the ambush came, they went. That's called he became their Lord. When he said left, they went left. I think a lot of the problems that we all face in Christianity today is because we haven't resolved in our hearts that he's Lord. When he says go left, we say we're going to take that to the prayer group. <laughs> we're going to consider that. When he says stop doing that, that'd be wild if I could only get my hands around how to do that. I see my brother James, he was the bass player today. I met James at First Baptist, there he is. What, were you three years old? Very annoying young man. <laughs> two, he was two years old. I'll never forget at Lake Mendocino when you said, don't play with the yellow jacket nest or the hornet's nest or whatever that nest was by the lake. We used to have a family camp. My goofy son and James and another guy named Jesse Orla were over there throwing rocks at the hornet's nest. James' dad says, don't do that. When all three of those little five-year-olds were like booking it back, eyes this big with a cloud of yellow jackets, eating those fools. <laughs> See, that's not lordship, James. Dad says, don't throw rocks at the nest, and you go, that'll be fun. <laughs> right? But God is always, if we've accepted him as our savior, we receive the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven coming within us. And he is intimately involved in our welfare, our safe well-being, and building his kingdom, moving his obedient followers into the positions to learn how to fish for people, to catch them, to engage them, to minister to them. The problem is, <laughs> I know a lot of fishermen. Fishermen aren't really that crazy about people most times. <laughs> people get in the way of what they're doing. That fishing industry was very popular. They weren't like little broke guys. The minnows and the sardines that came out of the Galilee were the Roman delicacy. You inherited those boats. You don't just show up with a boat and start launching new boats. No, 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 it's called localized. I, I like to surf. Those surf breaks are localized. You don't just paddle out and start jumping in, in the greatest break there is. You don't just bring your little rowboat out here. Those are handed down. I see you, Simon Peter, son of John. I see the whole package. And these men were going to have to learn how to attract men and women, bring them into the kingdom of heaven within reach, and then minister to them. And that's gritty. That takes an ambush. I don't know about you, and I can be honest. I think I can be honest, and especially you guys that know me well. People bug me. 
They're fun for a minute. They're fun for a while. I was bothered pulling up into the parking lot yet again. Why are you stopped at a green light? And then I go, I can't like get angry, you know what I mean? Because I'm coming to, to preach. So then I pray for them. Lord, may they never drive again, Lord. They just can't. They can't do it. Green go, you know? People. They recognize the lordship of Jesus. And I would have you consider, each and every one of you, where do you stand as Jesus is Lord? Because he speaks all the time. Stop this, start that, move there, go there now. Reach them, talk to them, love them. Stop, rest. Get yourself built up. Be discipled, go disciple. He speaks. The second thing is, this is a promise with the promise that I'll show you how to fish for people. You're going to live like me. Follow me. Imitate me. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to meet some people that really annoy you. And you're going to want to blow them up. At least I didn't want to blow the car up. You're going to have to figure some stuff out. You're going to take two steps forward, one step back. And we're going to do this thing called life together. And through this adventure, the kingdom of heaven will grow. I was privileged enough. I think we have a next set of pictures. We'll go back to the first one. This is called Mount Arbel to the left of the Valley of Doves. And it's the uh, largest precipice that looms over the Galilee. It's chilling. We actually get to hike up to the top of that deal. It's really impressive. And I think we have a picture of actually one of our groups up there with me teaching up there. And there we are up there with our, with, that's our Tyler group. And to the left is Capernaum, and that's about half of the Sea of Galilee. And right to the left behind the heads of the gentlemen in the back is where the original disciples, these fishermen, were fishing. Right to the north of Magdala, there's warm springs that spill out, and that's where the fishing industry was and still is. Right there. I'm there in 1997 with a dear friend of mine who's speaking at our men's retreat, Pastor Dale Hummel, and I went there at 30 years old, still with the burden of debt, small children at home, marriage not going well. I am a, a good religious boy, tithing, uh, serving in a junior high ministry, trying to raise young children, trying to not have my house go under, trying to build a business, under stress, nothing's going away. Lord is not my Lord. He says, go left, and I just kind of muscle through it. And I start to get kind of angry at God. And an amazing chain of events happened in a three-month period where the Lord removed that debt, $35,000. Kind of a wild story, I'll just say it. Guy walks up to me and says, I don't know who you are, I'm sick of you and your name in my prayer life. I don't know what you need, but here's $30,000. I'm sick of God moving my heart for this. Don't pay it back, just pass it along because the Bible says don't loan and expect something back. Thank you, Lord, get that guy out of my prayer life. You know what I'm saying? My wife and I went, what the heck? What is this? First time I ever got a tax return, I'll never forget, it was $2,850. That's what Israel cost in 1997. I said, I'm going to Israel to wrestle with God. I'm going to go there and walk where the Lord walked, where Abraham walked, where Moses walked, and I'm going to ask the big questions. Because my faith was, was wavering, to be honest with you. It wasn't the life that I expected. My life got harder the day I said yes to Christ. It got harder. And it got, I was unfulfilled. I was prickly, angry, depressed. I get up to the top of Mount Arbel and Dale Hummel tells this story from this text. And then he turns to me. I don't know the group. This is day one. We go through Carmel. We 
climb up the back of the mountain. Chickens, we're going over fences and through chicken farms. And, and I hear the minarets from the moss down below, the sun setting. And it was like, I'm sitting there looking out over that sea galley and I'm going, this is just amazing that I could even leave the country, that my debt has been resolved. And that I feel like the king of kings is saying, Mark, would you drop all that and follow me? And Dale, who didn't really know me, turns to me because I was self-employed at the time, landscape designer, builder. I had moved up from mowing lawns. And he says, Mark, would you go? Would you have dropped your business and followed him? And I felt like it was God himself speaking through my friend. And I couldn't say yes. I start crying. I'm not a crier. And then I start blubbering. I'm with 35 people I don't know. (laughs) Dale says, would you go? And I am removed up in the rocks on that cliff, weeping. Boogers start coming. It gets awkward. I can't catch my breath to say, I don't think so. Knowing that the Lord was saying, would you give up and just drop your stuff and follow me right now on top of this hill and fish for men. Enough with the religious stuff and the good guy stuff and all that religiosity would you engage the people i put in your life and bring them into the kingdom of heaven see jesus didn't ask uh, peter and those guys to leave the beach and go into the temple just keep living your life with the people you've lived your life with peter's hometown is capernaum that's where they cut the hole in the roof peter getting probably all nuts with the hole you know what that's going to cost to fix jesus i said no The group left. They went back through the chickens. The minarets were going. It's dark. The bus is honking. The lights. I see it. I'm balked on the creator of the universe. Why? It's scary. Some of you right now, when I just unpack that little piece of text and how God loves to ambush us and invite us into a deeper relationship, it's frightening. When I mentioned lordships, things went into your head. I need to stop that, start that, do this, clean this up. Take these steps. It's frightening. I didn't want to go. Would you? Would you go? Why don't we? What are some things? This is roundtable time, except you. (laughs) Fear. Fear. Fear of what? Huh? The unknown. Lord, FedEx, the life plan. Do a pin drop. I'm your man. How's it going to shake out? I don't want to be the guy on the street corner with the list of stuff that God hates and come join my church. I don't want to be that guy. If that's you, I'm sorry. I don't want to be you. I don't want to be a lot of the Christians that I see. It's frightening. If I say yes to you, Lord, what will I become? Where will I go? It's called certainty. We want to be certain. Two weeks ago, I was up in Seattle for the weekend with my daughter. She's looking at a seminary up there. We were going through the text, going over Mount Arbel, going over just life. And she says, certainty, man, it's a killer. And I said, what? Yeah, it kills all faith. All my graduating class in, in the university I'm going to now, they're certain of where they're going to be in five years. It's a killer, man. It's killing faith everywhere. This is a girl who's going to college in Indiana. It's seven degrees today. <laughs> If you're from Indiana, welcome to California. Why did you go to school in Indiana? Because God told me to go. She refused to go look at the school first. 
She says, if Moses would have seen the promised land in 40 years of desert and winers, would he have gone? <laughs> I hate when your kids are theologians. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, she said, of course not. I'm going to Indiana. And then she cried on her first trip home from Thanksgiving. How do I get out of there? <laughs> it sucks. I should have looked. Certainty. Yes, great answer. Why else don't we go when he calls? What we have to say no to, we like. Come on. Especially in the sin realm. Excuse me. Sin's fun for a while. Comfort. Yes, we don't want to be uncomfortable. Why else? Letting go of something else. Pride. Pride. We will worry what people will say. Fear. Pride. Commitment. What is it? Scaredness? Did you go to Hayward High too? I love you. I'm writing that down. Scaredness. That's my next title at Dawn Patrol. Scaredness. How long do we have? Is there a clock anywhere? What time is it? Right there? Oh, perfect. Uh, they said to go to 7.30. It's 7.7. We're going to go to 8.30. Here we go. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All you guys with children, don't panic in the children's ministry. We care what people, we don't have what it takes. Look at Moses. Moses, powerful in speech, educated in the highest schools of Egypt. Killed a guy, kind of jumped the gun a little bit. 40 years in the wilderness, get over that. Lose that little edge. The bush catches on fire. Take off your sandals. You're gonna go back into Pharaoh. You're gonna take this stick and you're gonna lead my people out of slavery. What, says Moses? I don't have what it takes. God said, of course you don't. <laughs> That's why he give you the stick. Throw it on the ground. Gets into a snake. Now pick it up. Boom. It's a stick again. Whoa. Don't look now. Your hand's full of leprosy. What? Yep. Put it back in the pocket. Boom. Healed. Is that good enough, Moses? Man, I don't know. God's going, okay. Your, your brother Aaron's coming. I'll talk to you. You talk to Aaron. And together you guys will do it. But take the stick. The power is going to be through the stick. God said, don't do nothing without me. Book of John. Everywhere you go, I'll be with you. My spirit will tell you what and when and how. Don't do it without the stick. God to Moses, don't do it without the spirit. Because why are we afraid if we trust the spirit of God is with us? Moses said, okay, I'll go. But still not going to work. <laughs> I've been to Egypt. Ain't no Hebrew slaves there. It worked. We don't have what it takes or what people will say. It's frightening. What will my brother say? What will the guys that I smoke dope with every day at work at the break say when I say I can't smoke dope with you no more? Why? Following Jesus. <laughs> They'll laugh in your face. Of course they will. So why do we care what people will say? And then all the people who can't stand Christianity will know you're following Christ and probably hate you too. Wow, Jesus only said that would happen. I start to get some grip in my business. I start to really make some turns. I grew up a gardener, mowing lawns by myself with a Walkman. Remember Walkman with the cassette player that come out the side like this and you'd have to walk with the lawnmower? Five years by myself in a Volkswagen microbus, sweating, listening to Vern McGee in my headset, being discipled. 
And I start to learn how to landscape and design. I start to get pretty good at it. I'm invited to do a couple of HGTV shows. Amazing. All of a sudden, I think we have a picture of, the, of one of them I did. This is up in Montclair Hills, and this is our third show. And I'm starting to understand what it is to not put the landscaping first, but God first. And I'm ministering to people. I'm coming in with the Spirit of God and getting to know who they are without judging them, without an agenda, just loving them. And then a gal invites me to do the San Francisco Flower Garden Show. 500 designers vie for 15 spots. It's the third most influential landscape design show. It's not like a garden show like when you go buy pavers. It's a design show. George Lucas was right next to us in the first spot both I did with a sound garden $275,000 he's built on one garden this little gal named Beth I think you have a picture from her right here on the left invites me I meet her on this show and she says would you build my garden I've been accepted into the San Francisco flower garden show amazing privilege and the Lord says now you got to tell them what you're about because they're all curious and I took her and her friend Amy that we're going to design it down to a faux Vietnamese restaurant down here on Foothill and I'll never I'm, I'm goosey now thinking about it we ordered the pho we're talking about the garden they're being followed this garden will be followed on channel four throughout the development of the garden six month process I'm talking a big opportunity and the Lord says pray for the food <laughs> God the, really I'm in a restaurant and I stirring in the hot jalapenos. They're slurping it down. Pray for the food. I put in some of what's the red stuff? Sriracha. Can't really, God? I, it's getting cold. Can I have some more? Uh, what's the grass you put in? No. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. You have any of that? They're done with the meal, dang near. I says, hey. Uh, do you guys mind if we pray? <laughs> Amy, the other girl, literally is swallowing some pho noodle, chokes, drops the F-bomb, and a noodle comes out of her nose. <laughs> she grew up in a very religious uh, situation. Noodles coming out of her nose, grabs her hand. Whoa, 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 I said, let's not get all religious. Can we just thank the creator for the creativity he's given us for us to enjoy this afternoon and the food that's before us that you wolves already slopped down. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'll eat my cold soup now. They were mesmerized. At six months, we built the garden inside of a warehouse. Can we pray? Let's do that look at each other thing and choking thing and talk to God. It was amazing, but it was, I didn't want him to judge me. It's funny that Christians are deemed judgmental, and at times we have been, but the world judges us, and they should because we've so messed it up. Because typically we go to the kinds of people that are just like us. We don't go to the people that God puts in front of us. Moses, go to the Egyptians. You're going to whoop up a little bit for my glory and for the freedom of my people. Don't get so big-headed about it. It's going to be me through you. And you go to people that are completely different than you are now. That's the gospel. To the Galilee of Gentiles. People that are completely different. Look at the text. Look at what comes next. Back to verse 23. Are you guys okay? We hanging? We good? 
Verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news. What's the good news? Real quick. The gospel, which is? The, the, the Messiah has come, opened up the kingdom of heaven for who? For us and? The lady that doesn't know how to operate a green light. The real annoying guy that's waiting to sit next to you on the same BART train tomorrow that knows where you're going to sit. That guy. Short people, tall people, black people, crippled people, straight people, gay people, Arab people. All kinds of people. Opened up wide because they're God's creation and I love them. That's good news. It's a joy to bring good news. I think a lot of times we get kind of scared and what people think because we're bringing some bad news. <laughs> we're bringing bad news sometimes because we won't let go of the net. And sometimes people on the bar train go, I don't want your God because you're heavy, man. Your face is all, and you're stressed out, and they've heard you on the phone call. You know what I mean? I don't want that news. And that's on us. We're children of God, and we've got the spirit of the living God. But the problem is we complicate it, I think. Fishing is really easy, which is why I don't do it. Really? Fishermen? Sorry. <laughs> I don't get it. God says when you fish for people, you can't keep up. Look what happens. Jesus went through the good news. Had all the good news spreading of the kingdom throughout Galilee and, and uh, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Mind you, these are fishermen. First thing we're going to do, guys, is we're going to go throughout the Galilee and we're going to teach throughout the synagogues. Peter going, what, I'm going to a synagogue? Now, hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to go around some religious folks. We're going to bring the good news to them as well. And then we're going to find some sick, diseased people. Oh, hope they got Ebola, probably, Peter said. That's wonderful. Look. And we're going to go and bring it to the, among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. The people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed. Those guys are fun to be around. Remember the naked guy chained to the tomb, screaming at everybody going by? Yeah, those guys were there too. Look at this. Those having seizures, that guy could drop coffee all over everybody at any time. And the paralyzed, guys that can't move, and he healed them. Look around, church. Look at three crosses. We're all here. Paralyzed, sick, seizures, stuck, depressed, angry, prideful, full of certainties. We're all here. It's beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? And he came for that, and he invited the fishermen to now minister to them. Look, we're going to heal them. The word means restored. Jesus literally healed. We believe in healing here at this church. But it also very closely and rooted from the word therpon. It means to tend to. It means to serve one another. Peter, James, and John had to learn how to serve one another. Tend to one another. People that are way, way different. There's power in that. When we stop and we do what fishermen do, which is examine what the fish are eating. When we stop and we get into other people's story. My daughter and I in Seattle two weeks ago, we had to listen to the Seahawks. <laughs> Literally on Saturday night, come on, Carolina, the Niners should have been there. 
You know what I'm saying? And I'm listening to the stadium. We go into the hotel and boom, walk into the lobby and there is the bar and the, and the game's on. The, and we hear it in the stadium. It was wild. And we go right up to the bar to watch the game and here a guy walks right in with his, Niner gar- or his uh, Seahawks garb on. And I go, bro, don't get so excited, okay? We're from San Francisco. We should be playing you. Dude, you should be playing us. This game is horrible. You guys would have given us a fight, you know? And it's like, Wow. Then a gentleman uh, comes with uh, the mixed uh, relationship. They're from Canada. They're celebrating one year anniversary. They met at the Niner game a year ago. And so they come from Canada. He's African-American and I can't place her. She's got a very interesting dialect and I can't place him. So we've got the Seahawks fan. We've got Liz, the bartender, and we've got this couple that had to get out of where they were in Canada to celebrate the one year because their families are having a problem with the relationship. They're paralyzed. And then we start figuring out Liz. Liz says, oh, what are you doing up here going to, uh, looking at what kind of school? And my daughter says, well, I want a degree in theology. She goes, why? <laughs> that's what I said. That's what I said. Why? She'll never make 50 cents. <laughs> and I say, where's your accent from? And she says, go ahead and guess. You'll never guess. And I just went, I, I love people for a little bit. And I wonder. And I go, I say, Jordan. And they both like are stunned. I'm from Persia. I said, no, that's Iran. You know that. Yes. He says, you, they always think she's from South America. How did you get that? We've been there. My daughter and I. You have? Yes. I give her 20 minutes of Persian history. Who are you? Liz, the bartender, says, he's a pastor. What? Yes. What are you doing here? Watching a game the Niners should be in. Liz says, I've always dreamt of going to South America to teach English. She's in a bar that's going to get $3.50 in tips. It's in a crappy hotel. It's not where you want to be with a college degree in English. She says, I got a boyfriend. I said, do you have a ring? No, dump that turd. She says, you're right. What's somebody read a song very famous? If there's not a ring on it, don't think about it or something. What is that? I'm a pastor. I don't listen to worldly music. I says, I got to sell my car. I've never sold a car. She's literally got no family. You've never sold a car. You put it on Craigslist. Oh, but they'll rob me. Sell it in front of the hotel. There's security cameras. Oh, good idea. She's on Craigslist posting the car. I'm going to South America. Who are you? And then the guy and the the girlfriend says, yeah, who are you? We're fishermen, and we took an hour to find out who you are. Can we pray for your relationship? You're wonderful. May there be a 50-year reunion over this beautiful relationship. No agenda. See, most people that experience God and come to faith in Christ have a series of most 8 to 12 steps, movements, like a golf hole, chips towards the hole. That's just one chip. It's a joy to bring the kingdom of heaven to people that are stuck and paralyzed and hurting. They were hurting. Their families didn't agree with the relationship. We did. God does. Liz was stuck in a bad relationship. It's an amazing thing to put ourselves aside and build the kingdom of God. Look at verse 25. We're going to close with this. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, which is the ten cities, overlooked the uh, Golan Heights. It's, It's ten pagan cities with... Theater, Thesbian, the Jews hated the Decapolis. 
gladiator games. They hated everything that they were for. That's where the demon-possessed guy chained to the tombs was. They started coming around. Jerusalem, the, the religious people started coming around. Judea, the people, the Bedouins, the, 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 the people who wear fur coats and eat bugs like John the Baptist, they're starting to gather. And the region across the Jordan, P Persia, Iran, they started coming. And look at this, if it's your Bible, and even if it's not, just circle it. They followed him. They followed Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? They followed him. And through that, they came to Christ and learned how to live and learned how to fish for men. Three weeks ago, we have uh, Christmas. Maybe it was four weeks ago. We take a van full of some people. Some of them don't know the Lord. They're, they're college students. They go to University of Hawaii. One of them's named Liz the Biz. Just a marvelous gal. Marvelous. Kind of rustling with who God is and where do I fit in that whole deal? And we have another family with us, the Cruises, and her daughter loves the Lord. And then another guy named Scuba. I don't know why we're calling him Scuba, but he's called Scuba. And we say, we're going to San Francisco. And so we're going to follow the Lord. And the Cruises, and everybody knows that when we go places, we're fishing for men. We're not going to San Francisco for the food. You know what I'm saying? We can cook. We're going for the people. But Scoobs don't know that, and Liz the Biz don't know that. And we take off, and we start right at Coit Tower. I know, never been there. Amazing. Um, an incredible view. Not worth the seven bucks, but go ahead. You can Google it and look at the same view for free. <laughs> Saying. And so we're in line and we're doing the tourist thing and we meet this gal. She's got a golden microphone and we want to engage her. She's got a French accent. What's the microphone? She says, I sing. I said, you don't. She says, yeah, we have a video. She sings. I think we do. On the Quite tower, she's the first to get the elevator. She says, three weeks. I said, you're kidding. No. And my wife says, you love microphones. My husband loves microphones. She says, what do you do? Oh, no. <laughs> I tell stories. Really? What kind of stories? We were supposed to have her and her husband over today at 2 o'clock for lunch, but because of what happened in France, she had family come over. They were stayed longer because of all the airlines and all the pack, so she canceled. But she was going to be sitting right here tonight because we were going to say, after dinner, let's go meet some friends. And she was going to sing that song live. I don't know where she's at. We moved it for two weeks from now. She might come up here and close one of Danny's messages with that ridiculous song that's not even from this country. <laughs> she's got a story. And we went to Coit Tower for her. Scoobs and Liz the Biz went, what the heck was that? That was awesome. <laughs> We've been in the city for 30 minutes. 
What if Peter, James, and John, and Andrew didn't go? What would they have missed? God was going to do what God was going to do. What would I have missed if I stayed sobbing and not wrestling with God? I woke up the next morning and I said, Dale, knocked on his door at five in the morning, woke him up, upset him. (laughs) Said, I'm in, I'm getting baptized today. I'm not balking. I'm going to become a fisher for men. I'm going to learn how to follow Christ. And then five years ago, I got to do this here in the Jordan River and standing on Mount Arbel with my family, I was able to bring them there. And then the next day, baptized my son and my daughter in the Jordan River. That's my son weeping because what I didn't want to let go of when God invited me to drop my nets was control over raising my two kids. I never wanted to be broke. I grew up poor. And if I follow Christ, I'm probably going to be broke. I want these kids to be proud of what I am, not fall into who knows what, God. What if I didn't go? I wouldn't meet you, have met you. I wouldn't be here tonight. Those kids wouldn't have had a very moving experience on the very place that I said, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. But tonight's not about Simon, Peter, and Andrew. It's not about me. What if you don't go? What story will you miss? God loves you whether you drop your nets or not. Loves you. But scripture is clear about the plan that he's got laid out since the beginning of time for you to embrace. And he's uniquely gifted you and equipped you to go into places like Coy Tower and just be you. Wait till she finds out I'm a pastor. (laughs) How fun is that going to be? awesome and where are you going tomorrow and who are you going to meet and what will you take the good news will you learn how to become fishers of men we have this thing called the new covenant moses brought the law christ came to bring a new covenant which is my spirit will always be with you and never leave you i'll remember your sins no more and you'll take me wherever you go did you know that our bell means Mount Arbel, where all that took place, means God ambushes. Isn't that crazy? In the upper room, the Lord ambushed the disciples by proclamating a new covenant, a new deal, a new ordinance between God and man. If you accept this gift of faith, you'll receive my spirit, and I'll remember your sins no more. Celebrated in what we call communion was the Passover meal. You'll become ministers of the new covenant, You'll become ministers of reconciliation, meeting the Liz's and people along the way to bring them reconciliation in their lives and between them and God. First Peter says, you're priests of a holy nation, a new nation, bringing people into the presence of God. That's what happens when you accept Christ as Savior. That's what you become. 